I came home from work. I walked in the door, and there was Ellie sitting at the table. And she smiled at me, and she always did. I'm sure everybody's aware when you come home, your little young ones at a certain age are just thrilled to see you. And, you know, the older, the older kids, you know, they don't come run for daddy or want to give me a hug. But, but she always did. And she said, hi, Dad. And I pat her on the head and can see she was doing her work. She was writing while snacking on some peanuts and having a hot chocolate. And she would drink her hot chocolate with a spoon and just drink it like soup. It always kind of got on my nerves. And I'd always tell her, don't do that, just, you know, drink it regular. And I didn't really notice the hot chocolate, but I did, I did later when she was gone. I grabbed a snack from the refrigerator and asked Ellie, so how's your day going? And she replied, I'm just doing my work. And then she beamed, and, and thank you for the note, Dad. She jumped up and showed me where, she, where she'd been hiding the notes she received under the kitchen bar counter. And there, you know, she went over and showed me, and there was three of my other notes, all stuck under there, kind of in a hiding place, and they're still sitting there right now. It turns out she, she saved all the notes I ever wrote her, and we're still finding them all over in different hiding places. So I went up to the office and knew I had a few minutes before Kristen came back, so I, I just sat down. And I was there for about five minutes, and my world was about to change. Life was so good, I didn't have any real problems or concerns that, you know, that were bothering me. My kids were delightful, my wife was amazing, and I was a happy person living the good life. And then it happened. My next guest recorded that just nine days after his sweet daughter Ellie died suddenly. Since that time, he's had to dig deep to find some answers to some really tough questions. Questions like, where is God in all of this? How do I go forward from here? And will I ever be whole again? As I worked on this podcast, I felt little Ellie's presence in a palpable and profound way. She was, like my Megan, a bright and happy six-year-old. Ellie and Megan had similar jobs to do. They both brought little pieces of heaven to earth. In our minds, it was way too soon for them to go. But from the higher realms, things look a whole lot different. We may never understand the reason our girls were taken from this world so swiftly, but if we keep asking, I can't help but believe the answers will reveal themselves, only in God's time, not our own. And apparently, Todd and I were supposed to meet. So thank you, Ellie. today on the podcast and he has such an inspiring story. I just want you to meet him and hear all about his journey back to wholeness from what most people say is the most tragic and the most difficult of all of life's challenges, the loss of a child. Todd and I have that in common. We both lost our precious six-year-old daughters. Mine was named Meg Megan and Todd's daughter is Ellie. Welcome Todd. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for coming to talk about this. I know it's difficult, but uh, I think it's so important to talk about this. And you know, because you've been dealing with the loss of Ellie for about a year now, right? Uh, so, um, actually, coming up on two years. Two years. Two, two years. years. Coming okay. up on January 20th. Yeah, it gets a little easier to talk about after time, right? It's been, a, been about 20 for me, so <laughs> it's like easy, easy now. Um, yeah, as I said, we have in common the loss of our six-year-old daughters and we also have in common that we both have and i i had other children who were also going through the grieving process and so we're not going to go into details about ellie's death we're going to we're going to just talk about the process of healing and hopefully be of service to others who may be going through 
similar processes. First, Todd, why don't you tell us about yourself? Now, here's something cool. You're a fighter pilot. <laughs> tell us about about yourself. Well, um, actually, my um, kind of history, I was a um, mechanical engineer and then wanted to be a pilot. And um, so I was a walk-on into the Air Force um, back in the mid-90s and was able to, to wind up flying a, a fighter jet, the F-15 Strike Eagle, and enjoyed that for about 10 years. And then the kids started showing up and uh, being deployed to um, the Middle East wasn't wasn't as appealing anymore and um, decided to get out in 2002. And then um, some more kids showed up. Ellie was the last of, of our um, children. We have, have three. And um, she was born in 2005. And um, pretty much, I would say my um, my life was uh, a pretty a pretty good success story by all measure, by what society would would call success. Um, I pretty much uh, thought I had everything under control. Um, figured that um, you know the world was my oyster and I could could make things happen in it, and uh, was doing a pretty good job of that up, up until um, the time of Ellie's death. And um, the interesting thing is, is you don't realize what you don't know until until you don't know it. And um, that's that's pretty much the story of my life up until that point. Tell me about Ellie. Well, Ellie was just a she was just my my beautiful little angel. Um, you know, the definition of a, a daddy's girl. I have two other boys. Um, she was the the one that greeted me at the door with the with the hug and the kiss and wanted to to cuddle with me at night I'm going to bed and all that all that kind of stuff that um probably all the all the little girls like to do um she was at that perfect age where she was just uh, just a treasure and the, the interesting thing too was um after she passed away it's amazing what you learn um when everybody comes out and and starts sharing stories about somebody and uh, we had no idea the the kind of person that she was um we'd, we'd take her to uh, to our boys' uh, sporting events, for example. And while we're sitting there watching those events, Ellie would be around um, networking and mixing with all the other little kids and their parents. And she did that everywhere she went. And it was just amazing how she bonded and created relationships um, behind the scenes just constantly. And um, she did that with all of our neighbors, um, all of her swim team members and parents. And it's just, um, it was just, it was almost like a, she had the ability to to live and love in the moment wherever she went and it was something that um that, that i've learned from and uh and wish i had i'd understood a little bit better when she was here yeah i watched a few of the youtube videos you have of valley what a personality what a cutie pie so Definitely. tell me about the sticky notes yeah um i guess i i've always been one to um write my wife um, some nice notes of encouragement and and uh, I, w- I was doing that over the years and as Ellie uh, got older one day she saw me doing some of those things and was able to read some and and thought hey dad where's where's my sticky notes you know why aren't, why aren't you writing any to me and um, and she kind of got to the age where I think she didn't quite understand that um, you know that there was uh, my wife was my wife and she was my daughter she, I think she she wanted the same kind of attention she wanted to 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 get the the necklaces on Valentine's Day and everything else and so anyway so she she encouraged me to write her some notes and and so I started doing that and and she um, in some ways seemed to enjoy it a lot more than my wife did so it was more motivating to me to to, to keep that going and so that was something that we'd shared and then 
um, quickly after after giving her some some of those notes, she started writing them to me, and um, so it was it was something that was just very special between us. And um, I, I'll never forget one day, um, a few days before she passed away, I was um, going back to work after coming home for lunch, and and I was walking out of the garage, and I looked out and I saw Ellie um, just just flash running across the garage. Um, out, out in the driveway and she apparently had ran to the to my car and stuck a sticky note on the window and um and it said um you're the you know i love you you're the best dad ever or, or, mm. or something like that and um you know i, I thought that was great and I, I took the sticky note and stuck it inside um next to the speedometer and um and that's where it was when she, when she passed away and i of course left it there for quite a while and now it's uh, framed with some other um, neat things that that we'd found after she passed away yeah wow what a gift what a gift i know i we used to find things that megan megan used to like to draw angels and rainbows and i have more little scrap papers of of her crayon drawings of angels and rainbows that i don't even know what to do with there but i should frame them i guess they're so special definitely and i i would say um you know, I threw out so many things um, that she had done just just because there was a sheer volume. Right. As, as most parents, right. you know, realize right. you can't keep everything. But um, uh, one thing I, I share with people is, um, you, you never know what life's going to offer. And um, I wish I had all those things back. So you know, yeah. it doesn't hurt to store them somewhere. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. I know. I remember when my kids were um, right after Megan died, and my two living children as we we develop a different terminology when we lose children so i you know our living children um when they would go to school and they would take pictures uh, i would i would order the biggest package whereas for some reason the last school pictures that we took of megan i only ordered a few and i had given them all out her kindergarten pictures and i was so mad that i didn't have more i don't know so consequently i have stacks and stacks of <laughs> pictures of my kids as they're growing up that i don't even know what to do with eventually i'll have to weed through them but thank you so much for talking about this i know it's hard i've been there but i think i remember after after megan died i just wanted to talk about her i just i went through this period where i wanted to tell and i ran out of people i could talk to <laughs> so sure so it is i in some ways it's cathartic and it's part of the healing process todd can you talk about like the the first year after um what it's been like for you and your family because obviously family means a lot to you and um you know everybody goes through the grieving process differently and i know from my marriage luckily i'm still married to my husband through after all these years it's not easy that first year for everybody is tough so can you talk about that a little bit sure um well um i would say the the thing that's gotten me through um all of this, just personally, just even just for myself, and I'll talk about my family, is just my faith. Um, really, the, the whole scenario that we've been through um, brought me to, from from that um, story I was telling you before, it brought me to, to my knees. It brought me to a pit of despair that was just un, unreal. And um, and really, the only way out for me was was uh, was my faith in, in God and and just um, and developing that over over time. What I, what I learned was. Um, I think all of us have a um, something that we worship, you know, whether it's God or your your marriage or, or somebody else or money or your job. Um, there's there's something that we're all striving for and, and getting approval from, 
and in my particular case, it was my family was what I was, um, had all my eggs in that basket. And, um, and I quickly learned, you know, um, we're not in control of our lives. And um, after losing Ellie and then effectively losing my wife um, in the same fell swoop. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, and the one thing that I've learned is, is when something like this happens, we, we almost immediately overnight are, are different people. And um, so, I, as you can imagine, it's it's amazingly difficult to lose a child, especially, I think, as a mother. And certainly you could probably under, um, relate to that um, as well. But um, but she wasn't the same person and still isn't. And it's, and it's amazing how um, I'm not either. And so you have to learn how to find yourself through something like this and then also learn and discover who now you're married to, who, who's somebody that, that's never going to be the same. And um, and I'm like you, I'm just so happy to to have made it through as far as we have. And, and now I think we've, you know, we've been through some difficult times through this, as, as you can imagine. But um, but 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 now we're, we're marching back together and um, and our relationship uh, is getting stronger and. I, I think in some ways, you know, it's, it's amazing that, you know, nobody else in the world can share the experience that we've had. And I think that's a big bonding, um, uh, a way to bond in a way that, that, that I couldn't bond with anybody else. Um, nobody else would ever understand Ellie and, um, and what's happened to us. Right. So um, I think that's a, something that's been, been very helpful for us to, to focus on that bond. I know uh, one of the things that, that, all parents who lose a young child are confronted with is the inevitable question, how many children do you have? How did you handle that? Yeah, well, um, I, you know, it's amazing. I don't think I have it completely figured out. Um, I think for the longest time I would always, and I think I still pretty much my default answer is I have three children, um, two boys and a little girl in heaven. Mm. And, um, and that's the way I phrase it. And, and usually, I whether people want to hear that or not, or you know, generally, um, I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but I almost feel like I can't deny that. Yeah. And uh, so I, so I, I have to say it. And and sometimes, you know, people, um, if they don't have time or whatever, it'll, you know, we'll change the subject real quick, right. and, and off we go. But sometimes too, it's amazing the uh, the amount of compassion that that comes out. And and the other thing that I've learned too is there's a lot of other people out there that have suffered um, significant losses, and and it. And then, then you're able to, to talk about those things and share in ways I never was before. So yeah. that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, it really is. And there are so many good people out there that, that really want to share their stories. And, and I think just talking about it is, is sort of the first step. So what are some of the things that you remember in those early days that helped you? Just like practical things. I know for me, I had so much trouble just getting through the mundane things that I had to do during the day that I would make a list and I, you know, just brush my teeth, <laughs> wash my face, make my bed. I mean, just so that I had something to cross off so that there's like a little bit of satisfaction that I've accomplished something. Was there anything practical that you could share that might help somebody who might be in the early throes of, of a challenge such as this? Sure, sure. Um, you know, the one thing I would say is, I mean, I, and, and I think you, you would agree is that everybody's different. So what works for, for you and for me uh, may not be um, helpful to everybody, but, um, but I'd be happy to share what worked for me. I, I think um, one, one thing that was super helpful as was, was writing. Um, for some reason, one of my biggest uh, symptoms was I couldn't sleep. 
and so I would go to bed or try to go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and I'd be up at 1 or 2, and that was happening night after night for, you know, for weeks and weeks. And um, But what I wound up doing was I'd wake up and, and just decide, all right, I need to go right. And I think part of the problem was I was just, my mind was on fire with, you know, replaying things and, and all the all the different things that had happened. And, and it just, I couldn't turn it off. And so um, a real practical thing I think that would be helpful to somebody, if, if anybody else was experiencing that, is to, to write those thoughts down. And um, I wrote for night after night after night, um, just writing things down. And what was so helpful was, once I had done that, then it was my, I was able to release those thoughts and it seemed to relax my mind a little bit and it was very helpful. And then I, I also had the ability to go back and read those thoughts if I ever wanted to um, at any point. And that was, uh, I think, a way to, to stop the replaying record that was going on and on. Mm, yeah, and that really works, doesn't it? It's, it's amazing how that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for people that have been through uh, a traumatic or um you know, something that's just a, a trauma. I think that, that technique and, you know, the other thing I want to throw out there is, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not an expert in any way, except for I've been through something that's um, right. been very difficult. Right. So, um, but I, but I think, I think writing out your feelings is, is a really good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And talking to people. How Definitely. about, how about, um, I had so many well-meaning friends that would, tell me about these other horrible tragedies that happened to other people as though that would console me in some way. And I, I felt like I was having enough trouble dealing with my own grief that I really couldn't take on anybody else's. And, and um, I feel like, you know, there is a danger in comparing your situation with somebody else's because although it may give you some momentary um, comfort to know that somebody else has made it through that, eventually you still have to deal with yourself and what you're going through and look at it. And I don't know, do you, do you have any, did you have any situations like that? Um, yes. And, and in fact, you know, I, I feel like I gave everybody the benefit of the doubt when, when anybody said anything that might not have been helpful. Um, because the, the one thing that I always realized was I had no idea what to say and I probably didn't say the right thing or avoided people like me before all this happened. And it wasn't because I, I just, I just didn't get it. I'd never been in that situation. I didn't right. understand. And I was probably more scared to say the wrong thing and, and felt like it was just, you know, you know what I mean? And, I, and so I think I wasn't being very helpful in hindsight, but I didn't know any better. Right. Right. Yeah. And so what, what are the most comforting things that people have said to you? Is there anything that helps or anything that you remember that somebody specifically said that helped? Well, um, I just think, um, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, I, you know, if it's somebody that you, you want to say you, if, you know, family member or something like that, that you love them and that you would be happy to, um, to help them in any way. And, and just, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. And I would never say one thing I think is a, a big no, no, is that I understand how you feel. Um, that I've learned, that's probably not a good thing to say to anybody anytime because, um, everybody, every relationship's different. Everybody responds differently. And, um, and I think that one's tough. So, um, I think it's probably better to say, hey, I, I don't know, I don't know how you feel. And one thing that I'll, I'll say to other grieving parents and, and people that we meet is, um, you know, that we've been down a similar path, um, but 
but I don't know how you feel. And uh, I'd love to, to hear about that if you, if you want to share it or something like that. Yeah, that's great. That's a good point. How about your kids now? When Caroline, my daughter, Caroline is 25 now, so I know she won't mind me sharing this. When she, she was three when her sister died, almost four, she went through this period where she had this really good friend who was so cool. I owe her so much. She would let Caroline play dead with her. And most most people, if they had walked into my house and saw my daughter playing dead, would have probably run the other way and called social services or whatever. I don't know. But I felt like that was just her way of working out what she was going through. And so I just kind of let her do it. And, you know, we talked about it later. And eventually she stopped. Are there any, any, is there anything you can suggest for people who have children, other children who may be dealing with? I mean, any kind of grief, because children have young children, I think below the age of six, really can't comprehend death, you know, the finality of it. You know, honestly, I would say that that, that wouldn't be an area that, I, that I'm, you know, as far as young kids and things like that, um, I, w- I wouldn't know how to deal with that. Um, or, or my boys were actually um, older. And um, I think for them, just just being there with them, um, trying to spend as much time as we can with them and, and let them know that we the same thing. We're willing to listen and, um, and, and want to know how they feel. I think that's, that's what we've tried to do. Um, but the other thing I've learned is even kids, you know, they grieve differently. Um, both of my boys have, one of them is a little more open with his feelings and the other one's a little, little less so. And, um, and so they're different. And um, I, I have a feeling that, their grief is also going to manifest itself um, in different ways over the course of their life too, as they um, have different relationships and maybe have kids as well. They're going to, you know, I, I think things will, will probably always be there. Um, just, just like they'll always be there for us. Right. Well, it shapes us into the people that we become. Let's segue into faith because I think without faith, hope, love, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, I don't know how anybody can get through this. So let's talk about how that has worked in your life through this healing journey? Sure. Um, well, kind of like I've alluded to uh, a little bit before, um, my faith developed through this, and um, it was it, I was in such a such a spot that I, I knew where to turn. My my daughter Ellie and my wife and um, you know she, my wife has been a Christian for quite a long time, and we, we'd gone to church, and I'd always, I just never quite understood. Uh, how to take the leap of faith. And, and then I did, and, you know, in that moment of despair, uh, I, I knew exactly where I had to turn because it was really, um, in, in my mind, I didn't have anywhere else to turn. And, and I needed, I needed, um, I needed God in my life. I needed that rock. Um, I needed somebody that was going to be there, um, and, and help me and somebody I could talk to all the time. And so that, that's been there for me, um, ever since. And, and it's amazing too, because, I think my life has just turned around, um, you know, from somebody again who thought he was in control of everything, could make everything happen, um, and in a lot of ways was was trying to do that. Um, now I've I've given that all up. Um, I live more in the moment through each day and try to wake up and and, and ask God what I'm supposed to do today, and um, and let Him lead me as best I can. And um, so it's it's a big difference. And and I think too that all the kinds of things that I'm interested in are, are much different now. Um, I'm you know, I think um, Jesus had it right uh, with his two commandments. So if you you know love God and love people, um, I, for for me, 
if I think it is real simple, um, but if you try to do that in every moment, yeah, I think you'll be okay and you can get out of um, um, the being a victim. And, and I think in a lot of ways it's helpful um, when self-doubts and, and despair for your own situation set in. If you can focus on that, you wind up uh, stepping outside yourself. Um, doing some good for some other people has been very helpful to me um, to, to, to grow and to heal and, and to, to find ways uh, to, to look for good in the situation that we've been through. Absolutely. Do you remember a specific moment of surrender? I, I know for me, I do. I, I, I always knew that that's what we were supposed to do. You know, Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer that I will be done. I just remember one day, same thing, trying to control life, just uh, trying to work my way through the stages of grief, you know, reading Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and all this. I was trying to do it right, even in my grieving. And one day I was just a mess. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do this, God. And I just got down on my knees and I said, I, I give it all to you. And, and it turned everything around. It really did. And it, it's, it's amazing in retrospect how how it actually just changed everything in that moment. So, yeah. Um, you know, same kind of thing for me. Um, you know, I won't go into any details, but there was just a, some very difficult um, moments in, in this whole process of um, Ellie's passing. And um, I got to the point where I, I didn't know what else to do. I I'd got, gone into my room, closed the door and locked it. Um, and we had a house full of people still. And, um, and I, like you, I, I, up to that point, I'd been doing everything the best I could, as best I knew how, trying to keep everybody taken care of as, as we dealt with, um, the loss and through the service and everything. But, um, some things happened and, and I wound up, I, I just didn't know what else to do. So I locked myself in my room, locked myself in the bathroom and I just didn't want to, I got to the point where I, I either didn't want to live or I needed, I needed something else. And mm-hmm. that something else was, was, um, you know, just looking up and, and realizing that, you know, God's hand was reaching down to me and probably always had been. I just didn't want to reach my hand up to his. And, um, but it, it just, it just became obvious. And then, like you said, um, you know, I called my pastor and my dad and everybody after I, um, you know, made that decision, um, shared with them what, what I had done and, and, you know, what, what my life was dedicated to and, um, who my savior was. And, um, and it was just amazing. And, and one thing I share with people is, you know, I think before that, I don't know if everybody can relate to this, but I, but I had the little um, voice, um, in my head and I called it the little birdies uh, whispering in my ear on my shoulder. And, you know, it wasn't always saying very nice things to me. And, um, I think over time, you know, I was, my confidence was getting, getting less and, and I wasn't, wasn't as, um, sure of who I was. Um, and that voice hasn't been back. And I think that that's, that's kind of an amazing thing, um, to, to not have that, um, inner, inner voice talking to you in a way that that's, that's not helpful to you. So, um, I'm so glad that that left me. That's grace. That's grace. And there's also the grace of people. I felt the prayers of people and, and I know that, and now so I'm so committed to praying for other people because I know how much it helped me. And it is that grace that is called into play when you pray for people. And so it's really important. <laughs> it's important. If you do nothing else for people, just pray for them. So sure. let's talk about Ellie's Way. Sure. Ellie's Way is a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. And the mission is to organize, maximize, and deliver assistance to f- 
to people affected by tragedies. And our initial focus is, is um, uh, people younger than 40 years old in a sudden death situation. And um, we're still getting this all set up and running here um, in, in Georgia. And um, we're looking to to start it in our local community and, and, and get the, the details worked out before we uh, transplant this elsewhere. But it, it, it's being built in such a way that it should be easily scaled and, and easily accomplished really um, anywhere once once we get everything worked out the way um, the way we, we'd like to. Awesome. That would be great if it could spread to other areas and other people could open chapters and Ellie's Way could just be everywhere. Do you, do you have any stories of miracles, any kind of little miracle stories that you now look back on after um, when you were going through the early, early days that you can talk about? Well, let's see. Mir- miracles? Um... <laughs> I call them miracles because I don't know. I had so many things that happened and I I felt like it was just, like you said, God reaching his hand down. I remember one time my I had this dream about Megan, and I had been so wanting to dream about her. I know a lot of parents can't dream about their kids, and they, they've told me that they really want to. And I, my best friend dreamt about Megan early on, and that was like my goal. I just wanted to see her, and it just it wouldn't come. And, and one day, finally, like not too long after my friend had had her dream, I was able to dream about Megan. And in the dream, she came to me and she said, I can't be happy until you're happy. And I knew that that was her talking to me when I woke up because it was just so real. And um, about a week later, I got uh, in the mail, someone had uh, reprinted a story from a Dear Abby column. And it was about these little angels that are marching in heaven, and they're all holding a candle. Except for this one little girl, Angel's candle kept going out. And someone says, why does your candle keep going out? And she says, because my mother's tears keeps putting it out. So at that that moment when I opened that mail, and my it was my sister-in-law, Corby, that sent that to me. So thank you, Corby. I said, that is such a sign. It's such a sign that I've got to work toward being happy and whole and not just for me and my family and my marriage, and but for Megan, because she needed me to be happy. I don't know. Did you have any stories like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, probably like you, I, there's probably too many that we, that we can talk about here. Um, but I, I'll give you a couple different things that have happened. You know, I, like, like you, I mean, I, I think probably one of the best treasures that, that we could ever have is a, is a, a vivid dream with, with our lost ones. Um, and you know, sadly, I, I wish I had more. And, and obviously, if you do have one, you you just you, you don't want to wake up. <laughs> you, yes, know, you just want to stay I there. I know. You know. I know. Oh. But um, I, I had one. Um, I don't know. I wrote about it, and uh, it was, I can't even remember exactly when it was now. But it was a few months after Ellie passed away, and and it was fairly short. Um, she was um, getting into our van, and I think she was going to close the door when she shouldn't have or something. And and I remember. You know, I, I kind of, st- I just said Ellie, you know, kind of sternly um, because I thought she was doing something she shouldn't. And she looked at me and then I realized that she wasn't. And I, I just felt bad. And, and this was all in the dream. And I, um, I just looked at her and said, you know, I'm sorry. And I put my arms out and she looked at me and, and just, she didn't say anything, but I knew she forgave me just the way she looked at me. And um, she came over and she just gave me the biggest hug and wound up knocking me over because I'd, I'd gotten down on my knees. And so we fell over backwards and, and she just was just laying on me, hugging me and kissing my neck. And, 
and and I don't even know. I just felt like it went on forever, and I and then I woke up, mm-hmm. and um, oh. and so it was just a, it was the coolest dream ever, mm-hmm. um, and of course you know the the irony of it is, is is how beautiful that was, and then to wake up and and realize you know gosh I'm back in this you know this right. this nightmare that's going on right now you know and um, but but what a gift that was such and, a um, gift I know I know well if it makes you feel a little better. My husband and I, just a couple days ago, were talking, we were recalling happy memories of, of Megan, and we were thinking about songs that she really liked, and um, she used to like Ice, Ice Baby, you know, that Ice, Ice Baby, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. and then um, and there was another song that she sang with my husband, which was, Ah, Think Twice, It's Just Another Day for You and Me in Paradise. Do you know that song? One- um, yeah. One day we were we were driving down the road and it was July after she had died in May and so it was really fresh and um, that song came on and my husband just burst into tears and it broke my heart and all of a sudden it dawned on me the words of that song, think twice, it's just another day for you and me in paradise. Hmm. Think about that. You know, when it happens, you're looking, you're looking for signs everywhere. So, um, sure. Tell us about Grief Share, because I know there's resources in every city and, you know, there's Compassionate Friends, but Grief Share has been something that you have really benefited from and, and taken a, a really great role in. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, you know, we were looking for some different groups and um, after Ellie passed away, we were invited to uh, a Grief Share group. And, and we went, and it was really too soon after Ellie passed away. I mean, it was a, there were a nice group of people at, at the church that invited us, um, but but we weren't we weren't ready, so we we decided not to go back for a while. And so the one thing I've learned with with really any support group too is it's got to be the right time um, for you to go and share and, and be a part of it. Um, I'd, I'd been to a compassionate friends group as well. Um, and there, there are none, um, that are real close to us here. So, um, that, that made that difficult, but, um, our church actually was uh, looking to start a grief share group. And I think our situation, um, was, was part of the catalyst for them to, to get motivated to do that. And, um, I, right from the beginning, it, it, it said, Hey, I'd, I'd be happy to help. And, um, doing a lot of the administrative type stuff, but um, obviously couldn't couldn't lead the group. And so they found a really um, amazing woman in our church who, um, sadly, had lost two husbands. But she, you know, this these this was years ago, and and she's uh, was just a wonderful woman, and and, and stepped up and and was was willing to lead the group. So uh, my wife and I, and about. Uh, I guess three or four other people uh, went through our first cycle of that at our church. And Grief Share is a um, Christian-based video support group. So you watch a video every week uh, for 13 weeks, and they're all topics related to grief. And it's um, really for anybody that's lost any any loved one um, to, to death. So, um, you know, there are a lot of widows and widowers, um, people who've lost children, um, mothers, fathers, you know, siblings, um, any of those type situations are certainly welcome there. And, um, and the way it works is you watch a, a video on, on the topic of the week. Um, you have a, a home, some homework um, out of a workbook that's related as well that you can work on. And then, um, then there'll be just discussion time, which is really seems to be the highlight of the, of the night um, where people can share um, what they've learned in the video or their homework or just, you know, just share what's going on in their lives. 
raise their concerns. And, um, and it's just really helpful. And what I've learned through all of that is that um, people need to be around other people that understand what's going on um, and that they feel comfortable sharing with. So, um, and, that, and that's, that's very helpful um, in a group like that. And we enjoyed it so much that um, I wound up uh, volunteering to, to co-lead the next group at our church. And, um, and the group's grown dramatically. And we just finished up that cycle. And it was just an amazing experience for me as a leader to, to be involved in and just see the, the growth in all the people. And uh, if you just picture all the pain um, in, say, 20 people as they, as they show up to a group like that, um, and then to see them 13 weeks later where they're all friends with each other and, and, and it's a very positive environment and everybody was sad to see the, see the course be ending. Now, nobody wanted it to end and so they're all trying to figure out how to continue um, uh, other groups and, and socials and, and ways to, to, to keep meeting because they just enjoyed each other so much. And so what a, what a contrast 13 weeks can make. In yeah. yeah, and for more information about Grief Share, it's um, griefshare.org, I believe. Right. That's correct. That's okay. correct. And I'd highly recommend it. Okay. For more information about Ellie's way, if someone would like to get involved or know someone who may benefit from Ellie's way or who knows, who knows what's out there, you know, just put it out there, Todd, and who knows what could happen, what Ellie's life and beautiful legacy can create. Sure. Ellie'sway.org. So that's E-L-L-I-E-S. WAY.org is the website. And, um, and it's kind of interesting how things have worked. I mean, we, we haven't been able to help um, our first local family yet just because a, a specific situation hasn't happened yet. And, um, and sadly, it, it will. But, um, you know, we're not really looking forward to that, but we'll be ready to go when, when it does happen. But what's interesting is um, I've been throwing together different resources and I've got sections on the website um, with grief stories and quotes and poems and things like that. And, and I, and I think, you know, anybody can go to our website and find all kinds of resources that might be helpful to them. Great. And your blog is on there as well. Yes. There's also a blog um, as well. So great. Well, you have been so brave and so wonderful to talk to us about this and it helps me just talking to you. And I think there's so many people that could benefit from this. So thank you so much. And good luck with Ellie's Way. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you and seeing where that's going, because that's a great thing. And I know Ellie's proud of her daddy. Uh Thanks, Todd. Okay, God bless you.